Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Imagine waking up to a world that's as clear as your dreams. With Zeiss Smile technology, this is your reality. At Ficta, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care, our mission is your vision. Conducted by a team of expert surgeons leveraging leading-edge technology, our procedure is safeguarded, swift, and tailored to your eye care needs. Say goodbye to the limits of glasses or contacts. Embrace a world where your vision keeps pace with your life's aspirations. Contact us today at 800-309-2020 or visit us online at ficta.com. At Ficta Endel and Elmer Eye Care, we are focused on you. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all know it's your boy Jay Spencer King, and I am here today with not my usual co-host, but a usual co-host, Mr. Bruce Nolan himself. What's going on, Bruce? Dude, it's a party all the time. Disco balls, dancers, dubstep, the whole thing. Every single time, and I love having Bruce here. He's filling in for our boy Joe Miller today, who is always as busy as normal. So he'll be back next week. Uh, but we got our usual suspects in the comments, and it's always good to see everybody. I love to see my girl B. Richard Rush is in the building. Got a we got a question off the jump. You know what, Bruce? I'm gonna start here. I know I'm going off script. I'm gonna we're gonna go back to script. I know you don't like being off script, but I feel like this is a good question. Uh, Derek says, can we talk about Eric B from Washington as a possible solution to the offense? I know this is never going to happen. I'm just, I'm just playing devil advocate here. Top quarterback, electric wide receiver, athletic tight end sounds familiar to me. For those listening by pod, he's talking about Eric B enemy, uh, former offensive coordinator to the Kansas city chiefs. Now he's with the Washington commanders. I would love to see, uh, just somebody with a creative mind kind of step in and spend some time with Josh Allen. What would you think about this as a possibility? I mean, if you get to the end of the year and Ken Dorsey gets let go and Eric Bieniemy becomes available and Eric Bieniemy then wants to take a, a lateral and be an offensive coordinator again, those are a lot of ifs. But if all those things happen, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'd be down with that. Um, I, I, I don't think... I don't think a lot of people have been watching Eric Bieniemy in Washington. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like I, I will say this. I, I think that 
there's a lot of carryover where a lot of the bleeding from Kansas City is still on Eric Bieniemy. I think you should probably go watch some Washington Commanders games. Um, there was some discussion earlier this year that he was throwing the ball 50 times with Sam Howell and Sam Howell was getting sacked and sacked and sacked and sacked and sacked. And people were like, Brian Robinson's averaging six yards a carry and you're giving him eight carries. What are you doing? You have a, a second year quarterback who's not even that good. What are you doing? Right? So it's not like Eric Bieniemy. if you go to the Washington commanders fan base is considered to be blameless right now. So right. number one, I think we should watch some commanders games. So I, I've done that. Um, I'm Brian Robinson fantasy owner. So that's, that's a, that's a reason why I, uh, I have uh, historically tuned in there, but I mean, yeah, if you get to the end of this year, if Dorsey gets let go, if the enemy becomes available, if all those things happen, then sure. Yeah. I'm interested. Yeah. I, I think about it. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll start off where, so yesterday or the day before, uh, I posted on Twitter a question, and I guess this is a good place to start with the question. So thank you, Derek, uh, for the question. But I was asking basically about Sean McDermott. I guess we could roll Ken Dorsey into this as well. I've been, I've been on the train, like I'm always, hey, we don't fire our head coach in the middle of the season. And really, we don't fire our winning as head coach since Marv Levy and the glory days. Like, we're not doing that. It doesn't make sense. But then you kind of start to kind of add up all of the things that happen that you feel like, man, why can't we just seem to get over the hump? So you talk about 13 seconds. You talk about the AFC championship. You talk about now it seems like we we can't beat the Bengals. It seems like, um, you know, there's just like things that come up here or there that makes the fan base take a second and kind of start to question Sean McDermott in your, in your opinion, do you feel that Sean McDermott is equipped to get the bills where we need to go? Or do you think that this is one of those situations you, you, when you responded to my text, you actually brought up like Tony Dungy and um, uh, what was the situation? Tony Dungy and uh, help me, Bruce. I'm, I'm I just getting off from work. Help me, man. Well, you were talking uh, about Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. Right, and you I gave said, me the football one. I don't, I don't know who those people are well enough because I don't follow basketball. So I, I mean, I know who they are. Like I've seen their faces, but I don't know enough about the the discussion to be able What's to them? to have a meaningful conversation there. So I said Dungy and Gruden is That's what I it. talked about. I was I was reaching and you would just let me hang there for a minute, Bruce. I'm like, what's the name? So, yeah, the Gruden and <laughs> that situation versus the one that I said was uh, Steve Kerr and Mark Jackson in the NBA. And basically what happened was Mark Jackson, he drafted Steph Curry. He drafted Draymond Green, drafted uh, Clay Thompson. But even though they were getting better every year, they made the playoffs every year. They still just couldn't get over the hump. They let him go. After a 51 season in the NBA, that's a big deal, a 51 season. And then hire Steve Kerr. He automatically figures it out. They win a championship. Do you think Sean McDermott is equipped? That was a long-winded question. Is Sean, is Sean McDermott equipped, or uh, do you think it, it might take new breath, it might take a new voice in order to get this thing done? I think Sean McDermott is a good enough head coach to win a Super Bowl because I don't think the threshold for good enough to win a Super Bowl is all that high. <laughs> That's the truth. That sounds so bad. No, but it's true. So, so at the very beginning of the year, right? You and I did ranked head coaches. Remember? Do you remember where I had Sean McDermott? Did I have him top five? No. And everyone yelled no. at me in the comments no. for not having him top five. He was like ninth or something for me. I think he was eighth, ninth, eleventh, something around there, I think right? It was eighth. I think and it was what eighth. I said was good enough. That's what I said over and over. I said good enough. But mm -hmm. I think 
I think there's 12, 14, 16 coaches in the NFL that are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Like, I, I think that this idea that you have to have a top three head coach or a top four head coach to win a Super Bowl, I don't think that's true. I think if you look back through the annals of head coaches who've won Super Bowls, there's been lots of coaches who won Super Bowls who I didn't think were top 10. I didn't think Gruden was, right? I didn't think that Brian Billick was. I mean, there, there's a there's a huge chunk of people that I don't think are. And then it's really weird because Sean McVay finally won one, but I thought he was a top four head coach before he ever won one. So it's it's a strange thing because I think we, we have a, a tendency to believe that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The, the things that are necessary for you to win a Super Bowl are like the best quarterback in the league and the best head coach in the league. When we have all sorts of scenarios of that not being the case, right? Mm -hmm. Now having a top three quarterback or a top three head coach is really nice, but I think the Bills do have a top three quarterback. So for me, it's good enough. And the answer to that question is, yes, I think he's good enough. Does that mean I think he's great? No, I had, I had him at eighth, right? I Better than average is what I had, right? Better than average. I think he's better than average as a head coach. But good enough is a much, much, much lower bar to clear for me than it is for a lot of other people. I think that they think you need to be top four. You need to be top five. I don't think that's true. And I think that the annals of NFL history would tell you that that doesn't need to be true. Yeah, no, it doesn't need to be. I mean, we've seen, and this is not a shot for all my uh, Ravens fans. We've seen Joe Flacco, so you don't need the best quarterback. And then we've seen, I can go down a list of court, of coaches that are nowhere near, um, in my in my mind, a top whatever list. So you know, it, it, you can you can win. It, it a lot of times I feel like it takes luck, and obviously you need talent, you need the roster, but it also takes luck of being healthy at the right time. It takes chemistry at the right time. It takes like, it just seems like it takes everything to fall perfect for that team that year, because you can even go back and look at teams that you just felt like were the most talented across the board and they still didn't come come out on top. So, you know, but with that being the case with, with your opinion on McDermott, what about Dorsey? Cause the thing for me with Dorsey is, and I talked about this on code of conduct, the reason why Dorsey was hired as as offensive coordinator, he was handpicked by Josh. He was handpicked by McDermott. Josh was comfortable with him, right? So, like, that was why he was chosen. He's about to get the guy he handpicked fired if he doesn't 
you know, make the reads that are open that Ken Dorsey is drawing up or he's not. I, I don't know. It seems like it's, it's, it's both to me. It's a two edged sword. Is it Josh? Is it Dorsey? What, 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 what's the issue, man? Well, it, with, with the idea in mind that I'm trying not to spoil the Bruce exclusive for tomorrow. Um, I want to say that Josh Allen makes execution errors at a higher rate than a lot of other quarterbacks in the NFL on basic stuff, but it's always been that way. And I don't think we should be surprised. The ratio since Josh Allen was a rookie, the ratio I have been worried about has been the amount of plays that Josh Allen makes that an average quarterback can't make versus the amount of plays he misses that an average quarterback wouldn't miss. That ratio is what matters to me. Josh Allen is spectacular. Josh Allen is elite. There is no question. There is no debate about any of those things. Josh Allen's great. The QB stew will openly <laughs> show how great Josh Allen is. And that's not, that's not being facetious. Josh Allen's awesome. However, when I watch the film and I watch Josh Allen just flat out miss a read, when I watch him read a levels concept, come off it way too early, which is crazy because the break hadn't even happened yet. Like he shouldn't have even, he shouldn't have even come off of it because he didn't have to make that call at that point. The decision point for him to make a read on that levels concept hadn't even occurred yet. Like he hadn't even had the opportunity to make a call and he moved off of it and then gets sacked. And I go, what was that? Like, like what was this? Like, what, 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 what were you doing? Like, this is, this is not advanced quarterback stuff. This is basic QB stuff. Now, the reason why he's able to historically make up for that is because he'll make spectacular stuff happen that other quarterbacks cannot make happen. There was a throw he made to Stephon Diggs against the Bengals where it wasn't even the right read. It was just so good of a throw <laughs> that it didn't matter. And he can do stuff like that. He can be wrong and still have the play go right. Because that's how good he is, right? That's how much arm talent he has. But imagine what would happen if he made great plays like that and also didn't have the misses. Mm -hmm. And so Josh Allen, not blameless in this scenario, right? And I, I refuse to operate in a world where he's blameless because literally every single person who watches film is pointing these things out to you. Like, I'm not the only person. Like, you, you know, Listen to Joe Marino, listen to Eric, listen to Greg Thompson, listen to Aaron Quinn, listen, listen to all the people, every single person who's going through the film, they'll tell you, look at these things, Josh Allen screwed up. And you go, no, no, he's perfect. It's got to be Dorsey. No, no. Dorsey's got a whole list of other flaws that we need to go through, right? Dorsey is a significantly progression read offenses. He's not scheming up explosive plays. He's not trying. He's hoping that the explosive plays come from the efficient operation of the offense. And that's not good enough in today's NFL. In today's NFL, you cannot hope that the efficient operation of your offense will naturally lead to massive explosive plays. You cannot do that. You have to decide. I am going to attack this defense with this play at this time. We're going to draw it up for this guy with this throw. And if it doesn't happen, I have a superstar alien quarterback who can run around and try and make something happen in the backyard. But it's not enough of those things. It's not enough of those things sprinkled in. Now, you can't run an entire offense like that. You can't, right? The overwhelming majority of the offense is always going to be, look here, do this, read this, make the right throw. That's always going to be it. 
but we need that other stuff because that's what Josh Allen does. You can draw up some crazy crap in the sand because you have Josh Allen. Traits give you options. And right now, Ken Dorsey is not taking advantage of the options he has. So yeah, I got problems with Dorsey too. Everyone seems to think that anytime I criticize Allen, it's because I love Dorsey. And anytime I criticize Dorsey, it's because I, uh, you know, every time I wait, no, let me get that. Let me try that again. Anytime I criticize Allen, it's because I hate Dorsey, right? Oh, it's because I love Dorsey. All right, this is not going well. I'm not doing well with this. We're with you though, Bruce. We're you know what you. I'm talking about. But <laughs> it's been a long day, guys. So I appreciate your patience with with Bruce as he's going through these things. So for me, I have a separate list of issues for both Allen and Dorsey. And so when I say whose fault is it, right? I'm never going to tell you one person ever. Instead, I'm going to qualitatively tell you the specific faults of that person. And that's what we should be doing because we say it's the ultimate team game. And we agree. A lot of us agree anyway, that wins aren't a quarterback stat. And then somehow we think that the solution is simple because the problem's simple. But the problem isn't simple, so why would we think the solution's simple? Well, you know, oh, man, you know, it, it, it's complicated. Fire Dorsey. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that probably takes care of a chunk of this stuff, right? Firing Dorsey probably takes care of this stuff. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and try this again because Roy says he's really confused. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and try this again. Okay. When I criticize Allen, people think it's because I love Dorsey. And when I criticize Dorsey, it's because people think I'm defending Allen. And that's not true. I'm criticizing them for qualitatively the things I believe they should be criticized for. So for me, that's what it's about. It's not about yes or no. It's about qualitatively what are the things that you are criticizing for. And this is where it comes back to no, just this is going to sound really crazy. Just knowing ball. Because Mm -hmm. if ever there is a time when it exposes people who don't know ball, it is when the team is doing poorly. And that's the truth. I know that sounds harsh, potentially, but there is never a time when it's more important to know ball than when your team is doing badly. Why? Because you're trying to identify a problem. In order to identify a problem, you need to know ball. And you need to be able to connect the problem to solution, which means you need to know ball. Yeah. So if you want to find out who doesn't know ball, just wait until things go badly. Because when everything goes well, when everything's going amazing, it doesn't matter if you know ball. Because you're just praising everything that's great. It doesn't matter if you know ball. Anybody can follow a team and evaluate things that are going really well. Anybody can do that. But being able to identify why it's not working is hard and slow and complicated and nuanced and all the things that we don't want to be because we're mad. And so for me, Dorsey, Allen, let's ignore who's more at fault. Let's just assign to the people the blame that should be assigned to them. Well, in a perfect world where people were, um, you know, if we were actually logical about things, then that would work, Bruce. But, you know, in Bill's Mafia and, you know, in sports in general, we can't do that. But but no, I agree with you. And I think I think when you look at again, it's, it's Josh. He has his faults. You, you have Dorsey. I think Sean McDermott has his faults when it comes to the offense as well. And one of the things for me, and I actually I talk about this in my article this week coming up for, for pregame rumblings, where I talk about even just on the simplest level of things. I'm not breaking down the film on my podcast and stuff the way you and other and other people do but one of the things for me that i i do notice and tell me if you feel like this is something that you this isn't an x and o's things this is just a person who's been in any type of competitive sports thing when 
when Josh Allen comes out and he says, hey, sometimes I feel like I need to like just get involved in the play early on just to feel like I'm in the game. I know we don't want hits. I'm not talking about put him out there just to go ahead and get hit by three guys. But I also think that something is said for, you know, people who need to feel like, hey, I need to get into a rhythm. And me coming out and, yeah, I'm the quarterback and throwing the ball is there. But sometimes I feel like I need to just really get involved with it. Let me let me run. Let me get up. Why are we not? And this might not even be the realest problem, but I think you're taking away what makes Josh Allen so you mentioned he's an alien earlier. You're taking away what makes him an alien. Him being able to run over people or jump over people and then also be able to throw it 50 yards on a rope, uh, you know, and he's able to do all of those things. But when you take away his legs and you take away his strength and his power, then you're essentially making him a quarterback that he's not supposed to be. Am I am I on to something here or am I, am I crazy? No, I think it's a factor. I don't think you're crazy at all. I think it's a factor. I think that they want Josh Allen to be an efficient quarterback, and he, he he needs to be, right? Every quarterback needs to be an efficient quarterback. But you don't want to do that at the expense of alien stuff. You you need to have a couple alien stuff because everyone's like, oh, well, you know, Dable had him be an alien, and, and, and Ken Dorsey has him trying to be efficient. No, 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 no. The difference between those two is like five plays a game. And that's what I'm arguing for. I'm arguing for those shot plays. I'm arguing for a couple you know, runs. I'm doing that. And it, it matters. Those things matter. And so those five or six plays, they lead to explosive plays and explosive plays matter. Jesse asked me if Allen's below average decision-making is a known quantity, is it incumbent on Dorsey? I don't think Allen's a below average decision maker. I don't think that's, that's right. I think that he's, I think he's below elite when it comes to that stuff. I think there, there are quarterbacks, specifically Joe Burrow, I think is probably the best processor in football right now. I, I I am continually blown away when I watch Joe Burrow in all 22. He just makes the freaking right call every time. It's it's like a it's it's like he's robotic, and then he still has the the creativity to be able to do a little thing when the play breaks down. Now, he's not an alien like Josh Allen is, but he still has that ability to create. Which most of the time, those two things don't go hand in hand. Those elite level processors who can play within the those elite level processors that can play within the structure of the offense, but that also create when that's not there, that's not common. So Burrow is, is great right now. What I said was that there's a ratio that I'm worried about that. I always keep an eye on how many plays is Josh Allen making that an average quarterback can't make. And then how many plays is Josh Allen missing that an average quarterback wouldn't miss. Right? So as long as the first number is markedly higher than the second number, I'm fine with that. Because everyone has plays that they, you know, they miss out on that an average quarterback would make, right? Just a bad, bad play, right? Just a play that normal processing. So it doesn't mean that he's a below average processor. Now, I think he's a below elite processor for sure. But I think he's fine when it comes to the processing stuff. I think he's fine overall. But that's not the thing that makes Josh Allen an alien. Like you can't build an offense around the thing that Josh Allen does okay or slightly good. You should build an offense with that stuff, but also adding the stuff that he does better than anybody. And that's my problem with Ken Dorsey's offense is that the overwhelming majority of the offense is built around the thing that Josh Allen does fine. Right? Does fine. Mm-hmm. And still, he's still doing great. Like Josh Allen is still playing really well overall, but he's not playing as well as he could. There's leaving meat on the bone. There's opportunity costs there. And I think a big part of that is the stuff that Dorsey didn't add. It's opportunity cost. It's stuff that's not in there. It's not the stuff that is in there. It's the stuff that's not in there. 
you know what? Let me ask this because at the risk of, I don't want you to, to ruin anything for your show tomorrow, but I guess my question is when you look at all the stats, man, you look at, you know, every metric that every analyst want to want to throw out there, every PFF grade and all this other stuff, Josh Allen is near the top in every passing, every statistical category. Uh, Diggs is at the top of every receiving category. Believe it or not, James Cook is top 10 in rushing yards this season. The offense is moving the ball. Why does it not feel like Josh Allen is the MVP? Why does it not feel like the Buffalo Bills are one of the best teams in the well, I mean, we're five and four, so that's probably why it doesn't feel like it. But with all of these metrics and everybody, you know, because even Matt, Matt and I go back and forth, not Matt B, uh, you know, the other Matt, we, we go back and forth because he's like, well, Spencer, the offense is good. It's the defense. I know the defense is beat up, but but man, the it just doesn't, all the metrics, it just doesn't pass the eye test. And my eye isn't the only one that it needs to pass, but I'm telling you, it just doesn't pass the eye test, Bruce. No, no, it doesn't. And I think this is where it's incumbent on you. I think a lot of people, this is this goes back to no ball, I think. I really do. Um, but instead of no ball, I'm going to say no analytics. Just you got to know them. I think people start using these metrics and they have no idea what they're actually measuring. Mm -hmm. I, I truly believe that. And the reason why I spent such a long time explaining QB stew, the reason why I spent such a, I mean, the, the, the article that explains QB stew is like 4,000 words long. And the reason is because you need to understand what these metrics are actually measuring. It's not just good and bad. Jesse's right. They're not getting explosive plays. That's a big part of it because a lot of this stuff, DVOA, EPA per play, for example, their measurements of how easy it is for the team to move the ball. Like how well are they moving the ball? What you and I see is how much are they scoring? Moving the ball and scoring historically correlate, but they don't always correlate. So you can move the ball really well and not score as many points as you feel like you should. And so that disconnect is because we are assigning qualitatively to a metric, what it was not designed to do. So mm -hmm. we're using something like DVOA or success rate or EPA per play. And we're saying, look, the offense is good. And then a bunch of people are going, no, it doesn't look right. It's because <laughs> what those things are measuring is not what you are saying that they're measuring. They are measuring how well you are moving the ball. And the bills are moving the ball, but they're also having big negative plays that kill drives. And they're also turning the ball over and they're not scoring touchdowns as much as they should. These things matter. So at the risk of spoiling my show tomorrow, Jesse's right, right? They don't get explosive <laughs> plays. That means they need two, three first downs per drive at 50%. That's a low touchdown probability. Yes, is the answer. I'm, I'm trying to ask around certain things. It's just hard. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's hard. Uh, we're screwed. <laughs> I'm spoiling yeah. a huge chunk of it. I spent a massive <laughs> amount of time on this, and we're just getting the whole thing spoiled right now. So it is it is what it we is. Don't, Let's pivot then, because I mean, I think we got a good we got a good portion of the conversation in there. It's just frustrating for for most of the fan base, and I'm sure most of us who who do content, even to continue to have these conversations. It seems like you know every other week, like then the Bills come back, have a good game, and then we have the same issue that we had the week prior. And so, but let, let's pivot. I do want to talk a little bit about the defense. So I think 
one of the kind of, again metrics and all the stuff that's coming up is how uh the first four weeks of the season obviously the defense played lights out they were one of the best defense but then you lose two all pro players another guy who probably was going to be an all pro this year in daquan jones you know you lose that type of talent you can't just replace it so the defense hasn't been playing as well um they ha and they've been tired especially like this last game i feel like the I could be wrong here. Again, I didn't break down the film, but I feel like that that time of possession in this last game really killed us. How do you see the the defense and the injuries that we've sustained and, and just the way that they're playing now? How is it affecting the offense? My concern is average starting field position. Mm. A major concern of mine. If you're if you're not getting explosive plays on offense and you're having to start farther back you need more plays to be able to reach the goal line. And if you need more plays to reach the goal line, you are increasing the possibility of human error every time you run a play. If I can get a touchdown drive in three plays instead of five, I would like to do that. If I can get it in five plays instead of eight, I'd like to do that. If I can get it in six plays instead of nine, I'd like to do that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because every time I run a play is one more opportunity for me to make a mistake. And that's how you kill drives. 10-yard holding penalty, turnover, big sack, things like that. I don't want to run 13-play drives. The NFL is not designed for really good offenses to consistently run 13-play drives. It's not. Especially not when you have a quarterback like we just talked about with Josh Allen. You need explosive plays. And then when you're doubling down on that with your field positions bad, so now you're not getting explosive plays and you're starting off behind because your special teams and your defense aren't giving you complimentary football. I know we're all complaining about complimentary football. Like I understand that I, this is the example of how that's actually a thing. Starting field position matters. And the bills, the week one, four week one to four had much better starting field position than weeks five to nine. And so if you want the bills offense to go longer, and you're not getting explosive plays, that means they have to do it in more plays. And if they do it in more plays, then you're increasing the possibility of error. This is the problem right here. This, this is the reason why we're having issues. And so for me, you need to be able to manufacture explosive plays and you need to be able to have your defense and your special teams set you up so that you can score quicker. You can score in fewer plays because the more plays you run, the higher chance you're going to have of that drive not converting to points. I don't want to run 13 play drives. That's bad. I want to run six play drives, right? I want to get explosive plays and I want to score points that way. But if you're going to make Josh Allen, who we've already established, isn't, that's not Joe Burrow. That's not, that's not who he is, right? A different type of player. He's not going to make the right call 99% of the time. That's not, that's not the way he plays. You're going to take, you're going to force him to win in a way that he is less elite. And I don't want to do that. So there you go. Yeah, no, which is, it's, it's, it's been frustrating. Um, injuries obviously are, are more frustrating because you know what team we had. Like when you, you just know that a lot of these defensive efforts wouldn't have looked the way that they've looked if we had Matt Milano, Daquan Jones, and, and Trey White. 
you know, you, you just know it. Um, one thing that has changed that I do like, um, Sean McDermott has kind of moved around primarily Jordan Poyer, but we've also seen Hyde kind of used in this role too, kind of like a hybrid linebacker at moments where they come down and help with run support or they, you know, apply some pressure on the quarterback. First, so it's a two-part question. First, how do you how do you like this? How do you feel about it? And then secondly, uh, how do you feel about it long term, like for the season? Because my concern is, I know, I know, you know, my boy Poe is a he's a he's a thumper. He you know he likes to get out there and put body on people. But at the same time, I, I do have a concern about him maintaining his health for his season if he's doing this. And same thing with Micah. Like we still really haven't gotten an update about his injury in a way. You know, he was injured Sunday. But same thing. Do you think that the way that they're being used can can last for the year? I do, and I'm actually happy about it. I okay. want more three safety looks because I trust Jordan Boyer to make the right call when there's an offense throwing a bunch of nonsense at him when it comes to motion and shifting much more mm -hmm. than I trust Tyrell Dodson, especially Dorian Williams in those positions. Jordan okay. Poyer, when he was when he's playing 15 yards off the line of scrimmage, Coming from distance and tackling was one of his strengths. Running the alley, like running the alley and being able to make a play in space, that was a Jordan Boyer strength. As you start to age, if I can get you closer to the line of scrimmage, that actually lessens any impact that your, maybe if your athleticism starts to wane a little bit, I can make up for that by putting you closer to the line of scrimmage, right? Because then you have less distance you have to cover. Because every step is an opportunity for you to fall behind when it comes to athleticism goes. I am completely good with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde playing down in the box because I trust them to not get their heads spun in a circle when Mike McDaniel throws all sorts of nonsense at you. And so for me, when I watched the Patriots and I watched Dorian Williams against the Patriots, I went, oh, oh, no. <laughs> like that, that, that's the reason why Tyrell Dodson's out there. Because Dorian Williams is just completely out of position, right? All over the place. So for me, I trust Jordan Poyer to be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. And linebackers in the second level are so incredibly important to the Buffalo Bills. And now we're down two. We're down Matt Milano, and we're potentially down Terrell Bernard. I, any chance you get to put Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde down there, I'm going to take it. <laughs> like any that. chance. Because <laughs> just, just any chance. So I'm down with it. Okay. Well, you know what? We didn't even talk about the Bengals game. So before we move on to the next game, I, I'm not going to go to, to – I feel like the the content that's been out. And then, again, I know you have Stu tomorrow, but I'm sure you kind of touch on the game a little bit. And we've had Joe, Joe Marino's show, and we've had Off Taco, and we've had uh, we've had them all. So I do want to know your final thoughts on the Bengals game, kind of how you feel about it, and then – just at this point, we're halfway through the season. So before we move on, uh, what are your, what would be your grade at this point through through what, nine games for the Buffalo Bills? What's your grade for the Bills halfway through? I think the Bills right now are at a C minus for me. Mm -hmm. I think that I, if you consider a C to be the top of the the top of the bell curve, right? The, you're kind of lumping a bunch of people there. I would say it's slightly below average relative to expectation. Now, that doesn't mean I think the Bills are a slightly below average team. That's really important. I didn't say the Bills are a slightly below average team. I am no, grading them based on expectations and reality because expectations minus reality equals disappointment. And so for me, I'm disappointed with a lot of what I've seen. 
from the Buffalo Bills. I'm disappointed with a lot of what I've seen from Dorsey. I'm disappointed with a lot of what I've seen from Sean McDermott. I'm disappointed in the injuries, but that's just the way it is, right? I'm, I'm disappointed in some of the mistakes I've seen from Josh Allen. I'm disappointed in a lot of things. And so for me, C- minus is right about right because it feels like this. Eh. And that's how I feel. Eh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so does that mean the Bills could go on a run and I could feel better? Sure. But right now, C- minus feels eh to me. And so that's what I'm good at. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I I couldn't go any lower than that because at the same time, you know, we're still technically a game out from the AFC East. You know, we're still in a position to kind of control our destiny. If we go on a run and we we do things that we're supposed to do, then then we'll be good to go. We're going to move forward. Now, Bruce doesn't participate in this part of the show, but it's going to be a little different. He's not going to give us a prediction, but it's third down. So y'all know. With third down, that means y'all give us your game prediction. Y'all give us your Josh Allen stat line prediction. What I'm going to do is instead of ask Bruce about his prediction, I'm going to ask him, I I want your real assessment of of what we're going to go with, like what we're going to see next Monday. Because it's kind of interesting to me, man. I I look at Russell Wilson – you know, we we talk bad about him this season and last last season he really deserved it. But but this season, the primetime game that he's on TV in front of everybody against the Chiefs and he completely bombs it. I think he had like 95 yards passing or something crazy like that. But then you go and you look at it like this past Sunday, he had three touchdowns, no interceptions. He only threw for 100 and some odd yards, but they won 21 to nine, I believe, against the Chiefs. Then you look at other games this season where, you know, he's not playing lights out by any means but he has 16 touchdowns to only i think four or five interceptions he's not you know he's not losing games for the team the team isn't winning so he's not winning them for him but he's not really the overall problem at least the way that i've seen it how what's your assessment of russell wilson and what we're going to see next week on monday night i think russell wilson is playing meaningfully handicapped like sean payton came in and really 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 put bumpers on that offense I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of runs. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of simple reads. It's a lot of, there's not a lot of intermediate stuff, which Russ never really been Russell Wilson's game, but it is, I mean, he's got, Russell Wilson got handcuffed in that offense. It's very clear that Sean Payton doesn't trust him overly, but he's playing better than he was before. And you can make an argument. He's playing better than he was before because Sean Payton doesn't trust him. Like he's being asked to do much less than he historically has. Um, Ralph Wilson in the in the comments says he's an expensive game manager. I think he's an expensive game manager with an explosive deep ball. Russell Wilson mm-hmm. still to this day throws one of the best deep balls I've ever seen. Like best. ever. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it is an absolute thing of beauty. So take, take, an ex, take a game manager, which is true, okay? But then add in the fact that at any given time, he can throw just a rainbow for 60 yards. And it's just a very strange... It's a very odd situation because normally quarterbacks win in the intermediate part of the field, right? Russell Wilson has never won meaningfully in the intermediate part of the field. It's always been dink, 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 play action, gigantic bomb, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're just seeing more dinks and less play action explosive bombs from Russell Wilson. It's just a very strange offense. Like you look at his spray chart and you're like, what, what is, what is this? It's almost... It's almost the type of thing you would prop up for a rookie. Like it almost mm-hmm. looks like what you're going to see from Aiden O'Connell in Las Vegas. 
I mean, the second that the Raiders got a new head coach and they said that Josh Jacobs is the heartbeat of this offense, you knew what you were going to get. You were going to get 26 carries, right, a game from Josh Jacobs and like 19 pass attempts from Aiden O'Connell and it was all going to be play action, short routes, and then occasionally you get a, you know, a, a rainbow. Like that's what you're seeing from Russell Wilson. He's being treated like he's a rookie, right? Now that doesn't mean he can't play. That just means it's a very, it's a very, it's a very minimalistic, it's a very don't make a mistake sort of offense. Now, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, Vance Joseph is going to come after you. And I think there's an opportunity. We were talking about explosives. Mm -hmm. If you don't get explosive plays against Vance Joseph, you ain't getting explosive plays. Because I know that the, the Kansas City Chiefs didn't get them, but they don't have the receivers that the Bills do. Right. So, I mean, Stephon Diggs is better than any wide receiver the Chiefs have had in a long time, apart from Tyreek Hill. And so, for me, it, it's a situation where I really, really believe you are going to see explosive plays from this Buffalo Bills offense, and if you don't, I'm going to be concerned. Well, I'm hoping so, because... You know what? I didn't even send you this question and I should have. So I'm going to ask this because we see weeks where we get an explosive player two or just a big game in general from Gabe Davis. And then we see like this last week, he had what, two targets for no receptions, no yards. Um, is it that he's not gaining separation? Is it that Josh is just missing him? Is it like, like, because you talk about explosive plays, and you said it. This is a game where you expect to get him, and and Gabe Davis is typically that guy. It's to start the season out. He had four touchdowns, kind of right off the bat. Thirty yard touchdown here, twenty five yard touchdown there. We got to get him. What the heck is happening with Gabe Davis in this offense, man? He is the same person he always was. I I don't think anything is happening with Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is the same player that he's always been. If you look at where he's winning, it's the places he's always won. If you look at where he's losing, it's the places he's always lost. So Gabe Davis is a player that I talked about extensively this offseason. I flat out said, I don't want him to be number two in targets on this team. Because mm -hmm. if he's number two on targets, you're not running the most efficient offense that you can run. Because the places where he wins is meaningfully down the field with size and ball skills. Like that's who Gabe Davis is. That's not the archetype of a number two receiver in the, today's NFL. You need a player who can win the short and intermediate parts of the field. Now, winning deep is great, but that's the cherry on top. You need someone who can win the short and intermediate parts of the field. And so if Gabe Davis isn't winning there, then and you're giving him 100 targets, then your options are A, you're giving him targets in an area where he doesn't win, which is decreasing your efficiency. Or you're giving him all the targets in players where he does win, which is way down the field. So now your A dot gets way out of whack because you're throwing the ball down the field way too much, right? And now again, what happens to your efficiency? It takes a nosedive. Either way, if he's your number two receiver, your efficiency is going to go down. So I've been saying this entire offseason, I said draft day. I dropped a podcast on the first day of the draft saying I wanted a, a target, a pass catcher who could be the number two target for this team in the short and intermediate parts of the field, and you could funnel all offense through him. We got it. It's Dalton Kincaid. He's that guy. He is the prince who was promised, ladies and gentlemen. He is 100% that good. 
It should be Diggs, Kincaid, everybody else. You, I mean, Shakir's part of that, right? Diggs, Kincaid, everybody else. That you should be what? the passing offense moving forward. I think our offense should look a whole lot like the Chiefs' offense when it was Hill and Kelsey. Like the share that they had between the the targets, make that between Diggs and Kincaid, and then like you said, everybody else. I like the emergence. I love everything that I'm seeing out of uh, Shakir over the last few weeks. Love it. Kincaid, listen, I think Kincaid had a really good game. I was disappointed in the turnover. I get it. He's a rookie, so everybody wanted to, to say that it wasn't a big deal. To me, it was a big moment in the game. I thought the Bills kind of had some momentum going, but it didn't mean he had a horrible game. It just means that he had a bad play and a big moment. You can't turn the ball over. Fumbles are bad. I don't care. <laughs> and, and maybe you see that differently, Bruce, but I, I just feel like, you know, we can't, we got to stop giving excuses. Because even Josh, everybody, we, we want to give excuses when, when guys make bad plays. I'll praise him when they make great plays. He made a bad play. Uh, Roy asked, Davis did well against Tampa short and intermediate. What happened? Uh, Tampa was playing way off is the answer. Yeah. Tampa was yeah. playing way off, like absurdly off. Um, and it was, it was, it was to cover for the fact that they were going to bring pressure. And so uh, it was a, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. It was, it was a very, very, very different scenario uh, for Gabe Davis against Tampa Bay than I've seen recently. Um, and so that, that was, a, I, I would not be expecting that very often moving forward. So um, big, I, I'm completely fine with Gabe Davis, right? But I don't want him as a number two. I, I haven't big, wanted him as number two for a long time. And number three, number four, vertical slot, things like that. I'm, I'm fine with all this stuff, but it's the same scenario. I mean, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck and everyone tells you it's a duck, it's a duck, right? So, if you have Brian Dable, who plays Gabe a specific way, and Ken Dorsey, who plays Gabe a specific way, and the coaches in college who play Gabe a specific way, there's a reason for that. It's because that's what he does. Right? That that it, it, everyone else is telling you that it's a duck, and you keep trying to tell me it's not a duck. It's a duck. <laughs> so for me, that, that doesn't mean that ducks are bad, right? There's a place on your roster for Gabe Davis. I like Gabe Davis. I just don't want to be number two. Number three, number four, sure. You know, vertical slot guy. Give me, you know, Christian Kirk a la Arizona version of Christian Kirk, right? Where you get that vertical slot player. So Dable used him a lot more in the slot. Cool with that too. All of that stuff. But that's, it's never been who he is, right? I mean, go look at the reception perception stuff. Go look at the college stuff. Go look. I mean, it's not like it's one game or two games. It's, it's multiple years going all the way back to college. It's the same thing. At some point, we just have to decide this is this is what he is, and that's okay. Well, you know, again, we not you, Bruce, obviously, but you know, I got to pick on my guy uh, Jeremy Poyer, and then even Matt is in the comments, and he's saying that he's that Gabe is better than he's given credit for. I don't think anybody's saying that he's bad. I, I just think that we're saying that he's not a wide receiver too. Um, Walter in the comments says, "Call me crazy, but when I'm being flipped in the air, the last thing I'm thinking about mid-air is protect the ball." Well, Walter, with all due respect, that's why you're not a professional tight end. You're supposed to protect the ball. And anybody who who gives excuses for for turning the ball over, I'm sorry, we, you can't lose the turnover battle and expect to win games. The Buffalo Bills didn't make explosive plays on defense this this last week. We didn't get the ball turnover. We had one sack. We we, we just have to. We, 
I'm sorry. I love everybody. I just, I'm just not the guy that's going to make excuses anymore when we're turning the ball over in the red zone or in big moments. Josh did it a lot last year. He has to be better at it. He, he's been better this year. After the first couple of weeks, to me, Josh Allen has played lights out. And, you know, when it comes to the stats, but it comes in, in moments. I need it to happen throughout the game and not just in the fourth quarter trying to make a comeback. Again, Bruce is here to give you all of the, the other conversation about it. I'm just here telling you a turnover is still pretty bad in my book. Anything on that, Bruce, before we get out of here? Turnovers are bad. We Turnovers should, we are should, bad. We should try to not do them. <laughs> yeah. Just, and like I said, he had a great game. I, I, I think Kincaid, the last few weeks, he's been playing. He's the guy that we drafted. Now I understand, because I've seen it on a professional level, why we drafted a tight end in round one. He's that good. Like he's really that good. Use him. Use him. But don't 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 fumble. And and let's not say that fumbling is okay just because it it is who it is. Bruce, go ahead and plug your show and talk a little bit about what you got coming up with Stu this week. And then uh we'll get on out of here. Well, I spoiled a bunch of it now. So if you're listening to this show, <laughs> I, I beg of you, please go and listen to the Bruce Exclusive too, just because I, I put a lot of work into it, guys. Um, but we're gonna do Stu, QB Stu. We're gonna do uh, Josh Allen, the offense, Ken Dorsey. We're going to go into detail about DVOA, EPA play, success rate, things like that. We're going to talk about the reconciliation between what our eyes are seeing and what the advanced analytics are telling us, which I think is really important. Um, and my show, the Bruce exclusive drops every Thursday on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network. Let's get it. And then, uh, right after, well, not right after we're going to end a little early here, but in about 10 minutes, if you're sticking around on the YouTube channel and on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, uh, you're going to see actually Sarah has the night off. Jerry has Joe Marino as a guest. So stick around for line again. You got Bruce Nolan followed by Joe Marino on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network. We, we're doing it. We're doing it like that. And then s this weekend, Keep it just keep just keep Buffalo rumblings at the top of everything that you got going on, because Monday morning pregame rumblings. I'm dropping like I do every time we have a big game. I got a special guest. Stevie Johnson is going to be joining me. Buffalo rumblings will be doing a, a, a jersey giveaway halftime during the game. So, again, stay plugged in with Buffalo rumblings, Twitter and, and Facebook and all that stuff for details on the giveaway. And uh, we're going to get on out of here. So y'all love each other. Take care of each other and live in peace. And as always, stay positive. Test negative. Go Bills. Thank you.